So the reality is most people set up their objectives as marketing qualified leads and sales qualified leads. And as minute they've done that, they've already set themselves up to fail because they have the wrong mindset. What they need to do is go, how do I build more trust quickly at a one-to-many level? And how do I build more community? And the byproduct is leads and sales. Are you seeking a better way to accelerate your sales, to scale your business, to live a life with no limits? Accelerate Sales Podcast features global experts who have cracked the code to recurring revenues with proven sales systems and get you on the fast track to scaling. Now let's accelerate your sales with today's episode. Welcome to the Accelerate Sales Podcast. You're going to learn three key things today. One is the three stages that someone will go through to like, know, and trust you. And believe me, there's something you haven't heard before. The second is how to get a whole month's worth of content done in one hour, uh, particularly LinkedIn content. And the third thing is how do you structure your sales calls into two to halve your sales cycle? So if you're new to the Accelerate Sales Podcast, welcome. And if you love it, please subscribe. If you're a regular, always love those iTunes reviews. Please take notes and On several occasions, I say, hey, go back and listen to this because the content's that good in today's interview. But we will also have a summary of all the key points mentioned and all the links. And also, you can go to paulhigginsmentoring.com and get the full transcript. I take plenty of notes. I actually filled my whole sheet. So if I look down, yes, I'm interested. I'm actually learning as the guest goes through. And our guest is someone who actually scaled and exited two agencies in the digital marketing space. And then they took 12 months off to really work out what their next adventure was going to be. And they interviewed agency owners. They learned exactly what the pain point was, and then they released it. And that is where they basically take a whole month's worth of your content or producer month's worth of your content from one hour. And uh, Matt just shares so much value in this podcast. Matt's now got a company called Automation Wolf, and you can get more on that at automationwolf.com. But what I'll do now is hand you over to Matthew Hunt from Automation Wolf. Welcome, Matt. Great to have you here. Hey, thanks for having me, Paul. (laughs) Yeah, well, look, we've had some great conversations and it's just only fair that I get you to share all your wisdom uh, with everyone else watching and listening today because, you know, yeah, I can't hog it all myself. So um, why don't we kick off with, uh, you know, who you love to work with? Sure. Yeah. I I mean, I look, my my ex-peer group, so I'm an ex-agency owner, own two agencies, and I love working with other agency owners who are growing and scaling their businesses. That's that's why I love working with. But I also work with um, anybody in the B2B niche. So broad B2B niches is sort of my sweet spot. And I work with people who are B2B consultants or coaches, or sometimes they own uh, B2B SaaS companies or a fractional CMO. Anyone whose audience would be on LinkedIn is usually who I focus on working with. Great. And you know, if you look at that great subgroup because you know that's who I love to work with as well. What do you see some of their key challenges as you help solve? Yeah, their biggest problem, be honest with you, is focus and, and time. <laughs> and so there's a lot of things that people can do, but just because you can do it doesn't mean you should do it. <laughs> and so I use whenever I work with people, I always try to help them use a simple filter. And the filter is based on effort and impact. And so how much effort do they need to put into this? And how much effort is it, uh, you know, uh, delivering? And I know a lot of people have heard of sort of like the 80-20 rule. It's kind of like that, but a little different because I ask it differently. 
because yes, there's still things we can do that if we look at what's really driving the impact in our business, it's usually a small amount, but this is something different I'm asking. Usually my first question to people is, because I usually work with a busy CEO or founder and time is their issue. So I'm like, how much time do you have each you know, week or month that you can give me? And then I can tell you what is the right strategy for you to deploy, because if you don't have the time, it's not going to go anywhere. So you either have to use someone else's time or find time in your calendar. I'm a big fan of time blocking. And I think once you put things in your calendar and you really look at what is left, you know, you start to realize I teach my team the same thing. So an example is like if a team member decides to take on some new innovation project or wants to do something, my next question is always like, well, what's coming off your calendar? (laughs) Because you can't just keep adding to it endlessly. So it's time is their, is their biggest challenge. It's very rarely money. And then it's just a a measure of, okay, if we're going to use that time, are we getting the maximum amount of leverage for for that amount of time that we're putting in. And so I'm always looking at ways that we can create more more leverage to the thing that they're doing where it doesn't need to be adding people or processes because, you know, the more people and the more processes you have equals more problems. I know Biggie, right? If you know the rapper Biggie, right? Yeah. He always he always went on and said, more money, more problems. Well, that's not true. <laughs> For most business owners, it's not more money, more problems, because lots of them have lots of money, super su- successful businesses that could throw more money at the problem, even if they had to go raise money or get a loan. Money's not the issue. It's time and it's people and it's processes. More, more people, more processes, more problems. <laughs> Yeah, love it, love it, love it. And look, you know, I said in the intro about, you know, this wonderful off the back of that problem, the solution you've created, which is, you know, well, you're a month's worth of content in an hour, a month's worth of brilliant, you know, snackable content on LinkedIn. So tell me, give us a little bit of context as how you came up with that idea. And then, you know, how does that work in, uh, in practical sense? Yeah. So, so I've been really lucky. So I didn't actually figure it all out right away. It's actually been a labor of love of over the last sort of, let's call it 15 years of, of marketing and also owning two digital marketing agencies and also having time to actually take a break. So after my second agency exit, I had a year off and man, does a year ever give you a little bit of perspective of yeah. being able to look what's what worked, what didn't work. And then what was even cooler was I was able to go to my peers who I networked with as joint venture partnership partners, which were all other agency owners. I mean, that's the number one strategy all agency owners should do is immediately create a VIP secret society with your competitors who do something slightly different than you. So you can send each other clients, right? <laughs> that's, that's, that's one of the first things everyone should do. But um I, I, because I had such a close network, I asked them, what are you guys missing in your businesses? What do you need to, to have fixed? And they told me, and I said, well, if you wouldn't mind giving me some money, I would like to try some betas on, on how to maybe fix that problem and solve those problems. And so I ended up getting about three dozen agency owners <laughs> and, and I got to apply some of my new thinking of taking a break from running the agencies to see if it was universal. And um, what I realized is there is a universal process to creating demand for your B2B business and there is a process to doing it. And so I have a three pillar process. The first pillar is called short form or discoverability. And 
The second pillar is called long form, which is ability. And the third pillar is called controlled form, which is usually community. And if you think of your short form, that is where people get to know you. If you think about your long form where you get to to demonstrate your ability, that is where people get to like you. And if you think about your community or your controlled form, that's where people get to trust you. And as we all know, people only buy from people that we know, like, and trust. And if you do any selling in advance to that, you become an eager beaver who usually shoots yourself in the foot, right? Because then you just get treated like a commodity, like everybody else. The great thing is if you do selling after you know you've established trust, you can suck at sales and you can charge more. So you need a lot less you know, uh, clients to be able to have a booming business and you can charge more. So you'll have a lot more margin. So you won't have a money problem and you don't need a lot of salespeople because the trust is there. Because usually once you have trust, people just say, yo, Matt, how much? And you tell them and they're like, cool, let's get started. You're like, awesome. <laughs> yeah. So, so and, and look, I'm sure you're listening or watching now and you're thinking, yeah, God, Matt, yes, like just help me with this because I know that, you know, we, we service a lot of agencies in, in my last business before we sold it. And, you know, that was the number one thing. It was like, you know, yes, I get referrals, but I don't always get the right referrals. And yes, we have some strategic partnerships, which is great, but but I just love the right high qualified people approaching me so that I can get on and do what I love, right? So that was the overall premise. I'm sure, you know, that's what the three dozen people sort of told you as well. So um, what you created is brilliant. Why don't you break down what each of these three phases or give us maybe an example of short, long, and then the uh, control. Yeah. So there's actually four steps that you want to follow. And so step one is for businesses that are sort of between half a million to a million. Step two is for businesses between one and 2 million, usually in revenue. Step three is usually from two to three. And step four is 4 million and above is what you'd want to do. And so in step one, you have a pretty small business if it's about half a million to a million dollars a year, but it's a good business if you have the right margins, right? There's nothing wrong with this, this business. You don't need to do a lot of things. So a lot of times people think they need more leads or need to get more salespeople or all these commission stuff. And that is just a lot of headaches altogether. No one should be selling in your company if you have a B2B business until you get past $2 million. I've done it. I've had the sales force. And like I said before, more people, more processes, more more problems. What you need to do is your first step in the three-pillar system is create your one-to-many selling system. And so the first one-to-many system selling is most of you, your ideal audience or your warm network is on LinkedIn. So I recommend that you lock down a way to stay top of mind with your warm network and to start new conversations with your ideal prospects in a way that doesn't feel salesy or sleazy or, 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 or marketing because nobody likes to be marketed to or sold to. So step one is short form snackable content on LinkedIn and staying consistent with it right now. You're inconsistent and you just want to be consistent. If you're just consistent with top of mind with your existing network, you immediately are going to get more referrals or more business or keep your clients longer. Now, step two is you want to create something like a digital monthly workshop. It's kind of a fancy word for a webinar, but nobody wants to attend webinars anymore. This is an opportunity for you to do one-to-many selling in a workshop manner where you spend an hour. In the first 30 minutes, you genuinely try to help people create transformation in their business. In the second half hour, you tell them how they can either enter your marketing funnel with an awesome 
some lead magnet, something that makes them better, a checklist, a swipe file, whatever, or how they can get in touch with you if they want more. The last step is creating a bit of a local community. And the easiest way to do one-to-many selling a local community is to run a mastermind dinner. This is an opportunity for you to get together with whoever your ideal prospects are, break bread in a physical format, and it's the fastest way to earn trust quickly without necessarily selling. And it's a different hook. So for example, I grew my second agency millions of dollars a year just by hosting a CMO mastermind dinner for Fortune 500 companies. If I had reached out to the Fortune 500 company being a stranger on LinkedIn and said, hey, how are you? I'd love to tell you how you're doing this wrong, or I'd love to pitch you this particular service. Well, stranger means danger. But if I reach out and I said, hey, CMO, Mr. and Mrs. CMO, I happen to host a monthly CMO dinner where we get together four or five new CMOs in Toronto or wherever you happen to live. We break bread, dinner's on me, and we just you know, shop talk. And why is this interesting to people? Well, because people love secret societies, right? This is why the ski club works, the supper club works, the yacht club works. People love to eat. They got to eat anyways. And when you get them out and they can be around other people that's like them, birds of a feather want to flock together. And so you break bread. And usually if you build the trust, no like, and trust, they're going to ask you at the end, Hey, Matt, hey, Paul, what do you do? And hopefully you have a good answer. And usually what it leads to is referrals and or you get the opportunity all of a sudden to put your hat in the ring that you never had an opportunity before. Now, that shouldn't be your objective going into a mastermind dinner. Your objective should be to build community, goodwill and reciprocity, and then good things happen. So the reality is most people set up their objectives as marketing qualified leads and sales qualified leads. And, And this minute they've done that, they've already set themselves up to fail because they have the wrong mindset. What they need to do is go, how do I build more trust quickly at a one-to-many level? And how do I build more community? And the byproduct is leads and sales. So they just got their thinking a little bit backwards. It's the same difference of like, how do I build this business so I can exit it? You already failed. How do I build this business so it's a forever business so I never have to sell it? Well, things change differently and your agenda changes differently, right? And all of a sudden you stop being markety and salesy and you start actually acting like a fucking human being, God forbid, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, look, and 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 that makes perfect sense. So I've got, uh, you know, I think the, the way that you've framed it and set it up is beautifully, you know, you've got your short form, long-term, long-form control. You've got, you know, your different stages and then you've got your, your three different components. And if I look at, and, and are you suggesting that you obviously go from one, two, three, right? You, you follow Correct. You go, you go one, two, three. So it always starts with short. If you can't do your short form, there's no way you're going to do your long form. And if you can't do your long form, you're not going to do a community. Now, the first step, which is I call the show up step, yeah. is this, which is the three steps that I just shared with you. One, one addresses short form, one addresses long form, one addresses controlled form yes. is the one that costs the least amount of money and requires the least amount of your time. The whole process, if you do all three, actually only takes up three and a half hours of your time per month. Yeah. And which is, which is a good leverage of time. And you get to sit down with, you get to do selling at a one-to-many level each in each situation. So you don't need salespeople to do it. Usually the best salesperson in the organization is usually the founder or the CEO. And so instead of hiring more people to do it, we just need to multiply you. Now, when you move to the next step, which is what I call the share up stage, this requires a little bit more of your time, but this is where you switch the focus from you outwardly 
to your ideal prospects and your clients. You make them the hero of the story. And this is where you start making the transformation from being the talent to what I call being the talent scout. This is too many people are, are get bottlenecked and slowed down on creating amazing content and connecting with people because they're making it about themselves and they need to be the expert. And I say, stop being the expert. That is a very difficult thing to do. Instead, why don't we get your ideal prospects and your existing clients to help you create your content? And so I recommend your short form content is actually to start a micro interview series. So like what you and me are doing is more like a, is a podcast or a media channel that is actually quite difficult and requires a lot of skill and time. The micro interview series is a way that we've set up a system where we can interview your ideal prospects without you being involved. We've automated the whole process. And then we recommend doing the exact same thing in long form as a newsletter. Why do you need to create your newsletter? They can Repurpose the Instead, make it about your prospects and your clients. And if you crowdsource things into these roundups, you end up creating this co-marketing environment that allows your content to actually go more viral because you allowed everyone to participate and you were able to build goodwill and reciprocity through many people. Therefore, your content actually does better when you feature five to half a dozen people that are outside of you. And again, you're going to get a much better result. If I get on LinkedIn as an example, and I do outreach, and again, if I'm a stranger, I'm like, hey, I'd love to solve this problem for you. And you're a stranger, it means danger. But if I reached out and said, hey, I'm a really big fan. I enjoyed this thing you did before. Would you be up for a five-minute micro interview? Oh, oh, that's interesting. What's that about? And you could show them an example, how they're being featured. Yeah. All of a sudden, it opens up. And the last stage is creating a community event, again, which is an expert ask me anything event. And you can run it quarterly or monthly, but this is where you get three or four of your ideal prospects or, and or clients, and you put them on a panel and you interview them. And what ends up happening is you have the law of transference that happens to you. You become the Oprah okay, of your niche. And, and, and at the end of the day, what is Oprah an expert of? Absolutely nothing. But what is she really good at doing? She is really good at finding really interesting people. And asking them interesting questions on what to look for and look out for on behalf of her audience while you're doing the exact same thing. And this is all about being a talent scout. And this is how you truly transform into being a market leader. And so I've always done these Ask Me Anything events. I've done them online and and offline. They both work. It doesn't matter its way, but it creates community for you. I find the offline local ones are great for talent acquisition and bringing together some of the local junior leaders like marketing managers or up to director level. However, I find a a virtual one that's online, if you need to get more of the C-suite, they're much more likely to participate in in that one, particularly if you have one headlining name that you can sync them beside because they want to be seen with their peers who are also (laughs) experts as well too. So that would be step two. And we call that share up. So the first one is show up. The second one is share up. It doesn't take a lot more time, but what it takes is a little bit more budget. So what you're doing is you're adding only one more hour to your three and a half hours for a total of four and a half hours. However, it's costing you a little bit more money. Yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant. And <laughs> you, you've seen me taking notes. You've seen me nodding, right? Cause like, this is a playbook <laughs> that honestly, if, you know, if you're walking, riding, what now, just bookmark it, task yourself, do whatever and go back and <laughs> listen to what Matt just said, because I think that, 
you know, there's so many people talk about personal branding and I've just done the same thing, you know, personal, you know, set up my own personal brand, et cetera. But I do think that not many go to that stage too. And I think that's where the true power is. And, you know, you talked about Oprah. I know you use another example of Joe Rogan. Like, you know, they effectively are the ones that are creating the talent to get them and then that's how they build the audience. So I think the, you know, the strategy works, right? It's just about now applying it for you and um just on the virtual dinners because i think that's fantastic but you know in my case i live in melbourne australia most of my clients are not in australia right they're mainly in north america as an example so you know have have you run them virtually or do they really need to be in in person yeah i find the virtual i thought so there's two i found two work so i've actually experimented uh, with both and both worked so i used to do these uh lunch and learns. And so I would convince an office or a bunch of offices to do it. And then what we did was we would take their orders in advance and Uber them lunch. And then we would do a training workshop and we could do it with multiple companies, or we could just do it with one company in in a room that worked great. However, I do find the mastermind dinners at at like, if you can get to the top of the chain, you know, from CEO to C-suite somewhere in there, they're really effective because C-suite individuals are are quick to connect and quick to make decisions. And if they know, like, and trust you, you know, they're going to give you a shot. <laughs> and generally, generally, spe- generally speaking, it just depends on your niche and where you are. Every Everything's a little bit different depending. I've sold to small businesses. I've sold to enterprise. They, they've all got their pros and cons and processes and logistics on how to get a sale. Um, but generally speaking, I find that, you know, you know, if you know your vertical in your niche, and if you don't, then that's a, that's a bigger problem. It means you actually have a go-to-market strategy problem. Yes. And you, pro- you probably can't even do this yet. You need to start with actually your go-to-market strategy, which is, you know, a completely different thing. The, go- the go-to-market strategy at the end of the day is a very similar sort of uh, matrix, but it should be foundation, automation, transformation. And the first one is addressing market recognition, your hue, your positioning on why, your signature process on your what. And then you need to figure out your automation with your CMS and tech stack, your CRM, your analytics and KPIs, SOPs and how. And then you can look at the transformation, which is short form, long form, controlled form. But if you haven't done the foundational work before getting here, you, you don't get just like a monopoly. Do not, you know, do not pass go and collect your $200. You need to go back and make sure you understand your go-to-market, you know, since your system and your go-to-market process. If that's not clear, you can't really do these things because, and and one of those things is always having a very specific who, like a very specific, you know, niche or like the Americans say niche. And I think they say it that way because they like to say the riches are in the niches, right? You can't say the riches are in the niches doesn't work. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And they love to market everything, but look, I, and uh, no disrespect to you, amazing Americans that are watching now, but uh, you know, uh, Matt in Canada (laughs) and I'm in Australia. So we're slightly, slightly different. Um, The, so you've given so much value around, you know, the stages, et cetera. For now, let's just dive a little bit more into LinkedIn because, as you said, okay. LinkedIn's the, the key platform here for the B2B, right, and everyone knows that. And you've got enormous experience. So I just want to tap into that for, for a moment. So, you know, some when we first met, you gave me some brilliant Brilliant advice on a couple of key things. So one was around connections. The other one was around um, follow, et cetera. So the first one is around connections. So, 
you know, most people are out there trying to collect as many connections as they can. Now, I know the 100 limits sort of reduce that now, so people are getting a little more uh, particular around who they're reaching out to and it's just not a numbers game. But you told me, hey, you should be deleting connections. And I'm like, well, what's Matt talking about? So explain why someone, you know, someone watching right now listening should be actually deleting their connections. Yeah, so... so so like anything usually less is more <laughs> yeah and and so the, the reality is i have the ten thousand foot view of working with three dozen different you know b2b brands on linkedin this is a this is a core part of our business so we we're literally publishing over 1300 pieces of snackable content per month and tracking it and seeing what works and also looking at different profiles and i can work with a personal brand that only has 400 connections and get more more impressions and engagement on that content than someone who has 30,000 plus. Okay. And the, and the difference is really what it comes down to is your relationship with your connections, because the way the LinkedIn algorithm works, or, and this is all social networks, by the way, their, their agenda is to keep people on their platform. And if they don't see signals that are keeping people there longer, like dwell rate. Because a lot of times, even I find in general, the people who engage on my content are never my buyers. It's always the people who are secretly creeping it who end up being my buyers. And when they end up in my sales phone, I'm like, how did you hear about me? And they always tell me like, I've been watching your creeping your videos for months now. I, I'm ready. I'm ready to go, man. Or I listen to this podcast or whatever it is, right? And, yes. and Which is fine. You need both kind of to play the game. But the, but the reality is super busy people don't have time to like and comment shit, right? And nor, nor are they going to, unless they really want to play that game. Who's commenting on stuff are usually people who can't buy from you, but want to see, and they should be because commenting is a one-to-many marketing strategy. If you leave a good comment, not just like thumbs up or great content or awesome, Bob, you know, actually write something with substance. But, but the, my point is that what gets engagement and reach is is usually your actual real relationships with those individuals. Because if you have a real relationship with people, they have a tendency much more to engage with it or, d- or dwell with it. So if you're just connecting, blinding with people who are technically really just strangers, they're not going to engage. And what LinkedIn does is when you publish a piece of content, it takes a random group of your first connections and shows them your content. And if it shows it to the wrong group of people, who don't like who maybe wouldn't engage with because they don't have the relationship with you, it doesn't end up going anywhere. So the foundation is always to start with as small as possible list is where you begin. So sometimes you need to delete your connections before you get expand them. And I've made the mistake of this where I did it wrong and I figured out later on with many other brands working with it. I'm still in the process of deleting connections because I accepted everybody who wanted to connect with me for like two years. Yeah. And I have like 30,000 connections that I don't know, even though, you know, I don't know most of these people. Yes. Well, this is crazy, right? And there's no, there's no way of deleting this on LinkedIn. That's like one click. You literally have to do one at a time. So I have a VA doing a bunch every single week to remove them. And I've set my mode to creator mode so that people can't connect with me. They can only follow me unless they really write me a really special message and and so forth. So, so getting followers is fine. Like if you follow someone, if someone follows your brand, they'll definitely see your content because it told LinkedIn to put your content in front of them. But generally speaking, 
most people's content is based on their first connections, not followers. And therefore, a small group of followers to begin with, you'll find that you're able to get more success quickly. And just remember, if your history of content is always to never keep people longer on LinkedIn, then what LinkedIn says is, yeah, you can publish your content, but we already know as a quality score, and I don't know how this quality score works, that your content is probably not going to do that great. So we're going to always, you know, uh, uh, restrict it unless it proves to be better. And so just like an ad or anything else, profiles, personal profiles also have a quality score probably applied to them, right? And so again, starting smaller and how you start is is important. And so if you don't have a ton of connections, like 2000, it'd be really important to go back and try to trim that back to maybe just 500 or 400. And, and people you really know, like if you couldn't pick up the phone and they didn't know who you are, they probably shouldn't be a connection. And then you earn your followers naturally, switch to creator mode, start publishing and grow organically and slowly to do it. Now, of course you can gamify the shit out of this by using, you know, fake stuff like engagement pods and other things like that. It works a little bit, but it honestly, it doesn't even really work anymore today. Um, it used to work very well, but once uh, LinkedIn changed their algorithm to more of a weighting of dwell rate and engagement, it, 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 it doesn't get as much reach. And this is why you'll notice that things that are like polls and things that are carousels. Yeah. Um, or longer text content, or now they're moving into like the articles. Now they give the ability to do articles for all creators and get subscribers. Those will increase sort of that dwell rate naturally, that signal that people are staying on LinkedIn longer, because that's what they want them to stay there longer. Just remember their objective, right? It's not likes or comments. They just want them to fucking hang around that newsfeed and not get off and get sucked in more. So whatever that looks like and says that they'll, they'll share more of that particular content at the end of the day. Yeah. Look up. Yep. Totally agree. And, and, you know, we, we do run an engagement group, but we do it very uh, specifically. So it's not like a, uh, one of these groups where you know run just you know randomly likes and comments and it's you know people can see it right it's it's um, yeah. like you said it doesn't work the algorithm and it doesn't look great for your authority or your presence so we do something slightly different but totally agree so at the moment polls and we call it a slider but a carousel a slider is definitely uh, working best and we're still getting you know like last week I'm still getting 30 40,000 views for a post and the interesting thing is it used to be all short term right so you'd hopefully get most of it in the first hour now if you look at it over a two week period your your reach is a lot more organic and I'm sure you've seen that just quickly back on the deletion of connections because I you know I soon as I got off the phone I'm like okay we're going to take this strategy Matt really knows what he's talking about let's go and implement it so I use a product called lead delta d and we'll put it in the the link d-e-l-t-a and uh, I'm not affiliated to them it's just a good product and what I do every day is just delete a hundred uh, connections and the way that you can do it is just search by industry so that's why I found it easiest just go through industries and then just you can sort of mass delete it so that's the way that we've done it but the principle and everything that matt said today applies and uh, maybe that's why also my posts are getting fantastic uh views and like matt said you know the views are stalkers creepers whatever you want to call them right but they're potential people and i'm the same so many people are like i've never seen you comment on my post you know you've never said anything in this and Honestly, if you're going to really research someone, do you want to throw up the flag that you're researching them? 
probably not, right? So it, it makes total sense. So the last bit before we go into the sales deep dive is around the SEO component in LinkedIn. I hear so many views on this is that, you know, now it's now, you know, LinkedIn content is now indexable on Google, but what does it really mean? Should I be using keywords in it? Like, Matt, you run two successful agencies, you've exited them, you work with agencies. Just you know, pour a bit of sunlight on uh, this SEO and, and LinkedIn combination. Sure. So LinkedIn has always sort of broken down into sort of, I mean, sorry, SEO is broken into four main components in general. There's there, there is, you know, technical SEO as one. Okay. And there's like on page, the actual content. And then there's, you know, the amount of, you know, other sites that vote or backlink to that particular page. And the last one is how do people interact with the page? Cause Google has Chrome and they can see if there's like a high bounce rate or dwell rate based on the intent. And they also in, in understand intent, right? At the end of the day, and the, the end of the day is they're trying to serve intent. And so anytime that you're trying to rank for something, whether it's on your own site or a third party site like LinkedIn, if you understand those four basics, then you'll know what to do. Now, the the benefit of sometimes creating content on other sites like LinkedIn or Medium or et cetera, is they have more authority than your site ever will, just as like weight from the from the root domain. And then that root domain ends up passing more authority to all the sub pages a little bit more. So, so what I recommend and anytime is publish your content usually on your on your own site to begin with okay make sure it's good in fact don't even make sure it's good you have to make sure that it's actually great it it needs to be better than you basically someone should, if someone reads your content and they don't if they, and people don't go well there's no point in writing anything else because that was the bible or playbook for x there's no point in you creating it anymore yeah <laughs> there 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 really there really isn't there's 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 no point now what you have to remember is you can recycle that and republish it on other platforms like linkedin articles as a newsletter, or you can slice and dice it and put snippet teasers of it and then link back to the longer form content. So you can go, here's the too long, didn't read version, boom, 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 boom of, of listicle. If you want the full version, link to your long form content later on. So there's lots of ways to recycle and repurpose this content. But generally speaking, if an article is indexable on LinkedIn, you probably have better chances of it showing up in the search engines due to the root domain's authority and trust factor as a whole than you will on your particular site. So you might find that your article on LinkedIn, even though you post on your blog, outranks the current article. Now, yes. now, if you want to SEO anything, you still need to understand the other parts of, of doing keyword research um, and understanding how to put that in your title tags and possibly putting in your meta description show shows up, making sure it's an H1 and, and layered throughout the site. But generally speaking, you should just write for humans. Don't, yes. don't worry too much about technically creating content for the search engines at the end of the day. And if you do want to get into that, that's a whole separate ball of wax that you really need to go down to work with a, with an SEO agency or at least an SEO specialist or consultant who has access to multiple disciplines within SEO. So today you have to understand when you hire an SEO, you need to know what kind of SEO you're hiring and what is the the one that's going to help you the most. So for example, if I've run an enterprise website, okay, that has 
thousands, probably even millions, possibly even billions of pages. The SEO I want to hire to get the most bang for my buck is a technical SEO because the technical changes on a big branded website drive the most impact immediately with the lowest amount of effort and highest amount of impact. However, if I'm a little you know, local business right, and I'm a plumber or a lawyer, well, then I might want to have more of a content or a local SEO specialist, right? Because publishing some of the local content or local stuff or understanding how to use Google My Business listings, I think they just changed their name recently. Again, for like the sixth time, Google, get it together, choose one name. Let's, you know, let's stick with it. And, and then, you know, if you're more of a SaaS company, then you might want to work with more of like a comparison engine or even work on these other sites and third-party sites where people are looking for alternatives or matrices to compare what is the best software, or you might want, you know, there's all kinds of stuff that you can do, but you need to, you need to know where you are. And if you're competing on really, really difficult terms, like, you know, blank pharma, whatever, or if you're working in an industry that doesn't allow you to do paid advertising in the search engines like cannabis or, you know, tobacco and smoking or guns or anything like that, then you have to go all in SEO. And I guarantee you, you will need to do all of those things. But the most important thing you need to focus on is digital PR, which is earning backlinks to your particular keywords, which is getting more votes to get more authority to say that, Hey, my page deserves to be ranked for X, you know? So, so that's kind of a bit of a long ended when the story, and I could go down this rabbit hole forever and talk about each one in great detail, but that'll give you a little bit of a beginner's, you know, understanding of SEO and and how it works and how it'd be important, how you can leverage it on LinkedIn or on your own website. Yeah. And, and look, I think that, you know, the fundamental thing here is that you go and get someone that's been doing it for 15 plus years and get them to put the context, you give them the context and then they use their experience to share it. So I think that's what, you know, Matt's bringing at doing where you go and, you know, he interviews you for an hour, as I said, in his service, and then he then goes and creates all the different content from that. So it saves you time and it makes it easy. And I think with SEO, it's a similar thing. I think, you know, for me, you know, I need to make uh, time, as Matt said, is the most valuable asset. And I need to make sure that I'm spending my time in the, in the best areas. And that's for me normally, you know, doing my podcasts like this and also doing my uh, sales calls, right? And actually, you know, doing some of the great um, steps that Matt talked about today. That's what I'm best at, not deep diving into uh, LinkedIn content or deep diving into uh, SEO. So um, Matt, I could go on, like you said, I could talk to you forever <laughs> and maybe we'll have you back as a, as a, another time to, to talk in more detail about a couple of these things, especially I'd love to get you back on talking about the exit of your two agencies and uh, what were the key strategies uh, behind that. But now let's go into the sales deep dive or the sales habits deep dive. So the first one is, you know, what are the sales habits that help you be successful every day? Yes. So, so the, my sales habits really are for me is figuring out a one-to-many selling strategy. So you don't need to do that all. And then two is really understanding, you know, how, how to close sales quickly. So I have what's called a two call closure process. And I think that is the the biggest crutch for most B2B salespeople is they get stuck in this endless sort of sales follow-up and it's because they don't have a process to it. So the two call, the, it's the two call sales 
uh, closure process is actually three steps. So it requires two calls for you. So the first call is establishing what I call the addition call. And this is not where you audition for the client. This is where the client additions for you. Okay. And and it's about you setting up the rules to the game. So it's very important that you take control of the first call. And the simple way of doing it is like, hey, thanks for calling in. Um, if you don't mind, this is how we handle this particular call. My goal is to ask you a bunch of questions to figure out if this is going to be a good fit for you or if it's not. But at the end of the call, I promise to get you pointing in the right direction, no matter what. Is it okay if I can ask you a bunch of questions? And then once they give you permission for that, you just ask them all the questions you want to do. And, and the reason why you sit up this way is because eventually that will be the first part that you outsource to an intake person, not a salesperson. It just requires an intake person and they need to collect certain information to know if they're qualified or not. And not only qualified based on, do they have a problem that you can solve and do they have the, the, the money and the need to take care of it right now, but even more so important is do they exhibit the same values that your company has? That is the most important step because that's how you know whether you're going to get a great client or not. Right. And so one of my favorite questions I always ask people is like, Hey, do you have your strategy, you know, fully baked and you just want someone to execute it, like get some hired help to make it happen? Or are you like not sure and really would love to have some consulting and open to new ideas? And if they tell me I have my stuff baked and I'm just looking for the hired help, I am out. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I'm like, great. Well, let, let me get you pointed to Upwork <laughs> where you can go and manage and tell people what you want. But if they're coming to me because of my expertise and understand the value that I know what thing to hit at the right time, and they want to allow us to really run the show because it's not their core competency of their business and they just need to get it done and someone they can trust who really knows what they're doing, then that's going to be a really good fit. So doing those values is important. Now, at the end of the call, the most important thing for you to do is to make sure that you have that you are clear about pricing and that you have a 10-minute amplifier video that explains your signature system because you don't need to do a demo of your signature system. That is not a good use of your time, whether it's services or software. You should always treat your services just like you know a SaaS company. And so there should be a 10-minute amplifier. But nobody has any more attention span than 10 minutes. If someone watches 10 minutes of it, they can make a decision as well as it gives a chance to get all the other decision makers involved. And so what I usually say is to say, hey, Here's what I'd like to do. You know, who are all the people that need to be involved in this process to be able to make a decision? Awesome. Cool. Right down there. Is there anyone else? Awesome. Great. What I'd like to do is I'd like to do two things. I'm going to get you an asset that's 10 minutes and I need you to get everybody on your team to be able to watch it. It's before you book the next call with me. And I want to discuss monies with you right now to make sure that this is not going to be an issue before we book the next call. Yeah. And I want you to agree upon the monies in advance, because if you don't agree upon the monies in advance about, Hey, it's going to be X amount of dollars you know, between these ranges, is that a budget issue for you? There's no point in doing the next call. If they can't get all the decision makers to watch a 10 minute video, trust me, nothing's going to come good yeah. at the end of the day. And then you say, great. Once you've done all those things, the second call is all for you. You know, how I asked you a ton of questions and you answered all my questions. This call is for you. Some people have one question. Some people have you know, 20 questions. It doesn't matter. The call is for you to be able to make a decision. And, and the goal of the call is for you to say, hell, you say yes or no. And usually what we're looking for is a hell yes. If it's not a hell yes for you, yes. let's face it, it's really a no. And that is okay. Both answers are great because it moves your business forward. If it's a no, we're going to get you pointing in the right direction. If it's a yes, it's 
going to get you. You know, what doesn't move your business forward is a maybe, and you get agreement that that will be the agenda for the second call. And that's why I call it the two call closure uh, process. So then you can send them a 10 minute amplifier, which you don't need to demo, do the demo or presentation for, they can do that on their own. And two, they already know when they get to the second call, it's decision-making time. And that is the biggest problem for people is wasting time or thinking people are going to buy or rotting sales pipeline. So understanding that very simple process that, and then the first thing you outsource is the audition call when you're ready and you need to find more leverage for yourself, outsource that part and just show up for the second part. Perfect. Brilliant. Now, uh, like I said, uh, the next couple, three questions, got to get rapid fire <laughs> responses from you. That that was an absolute brilliant playbook. I'd like to call out to maybe someone that's helped you and I in that process is a little bit Taki more. So thanks, Taki, yes. for sharing yes. some of your brilliant knowledge. Always acknowledge that. And I can see that, Matt, in your process, but I think you took it further and made it uh, a lot simpler. So well done for that. So technology. Yeah, the, what- the people I... The people, sorry, the people I borrowed from is Taki Moore, the Sandler Technique, and then the last one is Ari Garpler from Unlock the Sales Game. Those are the three people who are responsible for helping me develop that system. So I stand on the shoulders of giants. Absolutely, yeah. I've never had an original idea in my in in my life. And just like my one of my coaches I have in the past is Cameron Harold. He always says R and D it, which just stands for rip off and duplicate. Yeah, beautiful, <laughs> beautiful. So piece of technology. What's a piece of technology that helps you accelerate your sales? Uh, so I would say that it's, I actually use a CRM that I'm very, very happy with. That's excellent. It's called high level. And as an agency owner, they should invest in high level, not only because it's a great piece of technology, but it makes them an instant SaaS company as well that they can resell to their existing clients. So it's, it's fantastic. It's a sales and email automation thing, just like Hubs. Spot or Salesforce or Active Campaign, I would say that it's the best white labeled version of that. If you're looking for something to resell and add a little bit more value to your services, one, use it for your business, two, learn it to white label it and resell it. Great. And I want to ask you the question about leads because I think you've given us a brand example about that. But the last question is around one, just one out of all of this. What's one piece? of advice or what's one action, more importantly, we can take to 10X our sales? Uh, Great, great question. So I think it always comes back to consistency. (laughs) Yeah. So we are the sums of our daily habits. And so what you're looking for is something that you can actually stay consistent with because you have to understand the laws of compound interest. This is why Albert Einstein said, those that understand compound interest earn it and those that don't pay it. And he also called it the eighth wonder of the world. So we should probably pay attention to this concept. And so whatever it is that you need to do, you need to know that you need to stay consistent and you need to work on something that actually compounds over time so that as time goes on, it gets better and better and better and better and better. The challenge is most people don't understand this, or they don't understand that this, the, they understand the idea of the snowball effect that it takes on a life of its own, but they usually give up before the snowball actually starts rolling down the, down, down the hill. So, so don't give up so early. Consistency is key. And then second is make sure whatever it is you're investing on it, it compounds at the end of the day, it, it aligns well with that universal law. Yeah. Brilliant. Well, look, uh, Matt, once again, thanks for all the knowledge, experience and wisdom you've shared. You can find out more about Matt at automationwolf.com. 
www.ecomm.com. We'll have all the links in the summary of the show notes and then you can go to our website and get a full transcription because I do think you need to listen to this multiple times and really, you know, set out your action plan from this podcast because it was absolute goal given. Okay, thanks, Matt, and I really appreciate you coming on today. Thanks, Paul. I really appreciate being here. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Matt as much as I did. Look, I literally took copious notes. I actually spent about a half an hour afterwards building on Matt's points. And I just think that his whole concept around this month's worth of content in an hour and his whole view of what LinkedIn organic and getting people to like, know, and trust you is the way to do it. It's it's what I 100% believe in, but Matt's got a, a great done-for-you service to make it easy and even easier for you. So uh, shout out to Matt, right? He gave some great value you there why don't you mention him tag him in your socials and even take a you know a photo of the the podcast itself that'd be great and also share it with others whether it's one ten a hundred of your peers they need to hear this from matt as well and they will treat you as their sales rock star check out the solo shows as well so we've got those as i said all the links are going to be there in the summary and also you can get the full transcript going to paulhigginsmentoring.com please take action to accelerate your sales i'm fired up after today's episode what about you but hey before you go learning is just one piece of the puzzle now it's time to put today's strategy into action head over now to today's show page at paulhigginsmentoring.com forward slash podcast and share how you'll put it into action. Be sure to head over to your favorite podcast platform and subscribe, rate, and review the show. Tell me what your favorite episode is. And don't wait one minute more to gain access to your pulse check at paulhigginsmentoring.com. This could be the difference between struggling to get more leads and making this next quarter your best one yet.